J.K.L. Engineering. Now, listen, they're licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. J.K.L. Wintertime is coming. With J.K.L., you can reduce your oil bill by as much as 90%. They have the highest rebates on the market. They do new insulation and replacement of high-efficiency gas boilers. J.K.L. Estimates are free. Financing is available, both residential and commercial. Call J.K.L. Engineering today at 401 351 7600. 54 years in business, licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. It's JKL 401 351 7600. 401 351 7600. JKL Engineering. Estimates are free. Financing is available, both residential and commercial. Call JKL 401 351 7600. So, folks, in case it's uh, right now, it's 107 on this Thursday. Now, there's no Governor McKee press briefing today at 2 o'clock. And I'm going to say that one of the reasons is the fact that I think Governor McKee feels that he is really under fire with, with Channel 12. I think Governor Dan McKee feels that Channel 12 are maybe going a little bit into overdrive investigating his administration and they'd like to tamper things down a little bit. So it's not a good sign. It's not a positive. Um, And you're the new governor and you've only been in office now for six months. And, you know, it's not a good sign that you're already trying to limit some of the access with the media. And where this is really coming is they feel that maybe that because they've been so available, it's fueling some of the Channel 12 story. Part of that is true. Part of that is true. But he's still new. Governor McKee is still new. He's still trying to establish himself with the voters. And I I think... They need to deal more effectively with the media as opposed to, that's it, we're going to cut back on some of our, our access with the media. That's what I think. So, folks, it is Thursday. Now, tonight is a big night. Tonight is a big night. Brady and the Bucks begin defensive title against the Cowboys. The NFL season kicks off. It's in Tampa. It's Tom Brady. And the Bucks with Gronk, Antonio Brown, they are stacked against the Dallas Cowboys. So the NFL season begins and then begins this weekend, obviously, with the New England Patriots in action. So in the new quarterback. So I think it's an exciting time of year, and, and I think football is great. Now, some other news now. Providence City Council will eliminate the police major position, create separate police and civilian jobs. This has to do with Mayor Lorza appointed his friend as a police major. His friend has no police experience. Mayor Jorge Elorza basically just said, I'm going to take someone who's a friend of mine, who's black, and make him a police major. And I don't blame people that include include the police, by the way. Head of the Providence Police, the chief, Hugh Clements, said, that guy should not be a major, civilian. He is a civilian. Boston Globe, City Council President John Igliosi said the council will eliminate a new police major's position from the city budget. He has no law enforcement experience for the role. Which also, though, mirrors Alorza has no, you know, he's a community activist. Alorza never should have been elected mayor. It's been a disaster. The mayor's choice of a civilianist police major sends all the wrong messages at all the wrong levels. Community development rank and files really bad, Igliosi said. It's a bad political policy becoming a bad political reality. On Wednesday, the mayor defended the appointment, saying the position's intended to be a bridge between the community and the Providence Police Department. And it's critical this person be deeply invested in both true part of the Providence Police Department leadership team. So on Friday, Alorza told Michael Stevens, he's the referee, serves as the city's rec director, ran the mayor's golf tournament <laughs> to be the new police major. 
in charge of the new community relations and diversion services, despite his lack of experience in law enforcement. As major, Stevens will be responsible for starting a program to divert police calls to other services, oversee the police training academy, promotions and testing, build relationships between the community and the police department. While Stevens will not officiate at any NCAA games this season because he has a bad knee, he'll continue to work as a coordinator in basketball conferences. Like, what is this? What is he, Tony Silver all of a sudden? Igliosi asked the mayor to reconsider the appointment. And then on Wednesday, he and 10 council members sent, sent them a letter urging him to modify the job, civilian position. Also offered to create a separate police major opening as well. I said, I don't know him. Who signed it? Pedro Espinal, James Taylor, Nick Narducci, Mary Kay Harris, Carmen Castillo. That was the hit and run lady. Michael Correa. He's a good guy. I've interviewed him. John Gonzalez, Joey and Ryan, David Salvador, Oscar Vargas. So they, um, they're not wrong on this. Alorza said he still supports him. I still want him part of the leadership team. Chief Clemens, Commissioner Perry, been involved throughout the creation of this, says Alorza. Well, Chief Clemens just told the Providence Journal he doesn't want him to be a major. Folks, this is how difficult this mayor is. Is it that challenging to choose someone who's already a police officer to be a police major? Is it really that difficult for you? Is it that challenging? You can't do that? Have to find someone outside, outside of the police department? Couldn't come up with? Here are your options. Just pick a police officer. And he's like, and, and Mayor Lloyd said, well, I want to pick someone, a person of color. All right, fine. We have some people of color that applied for it. Pick one of them. Nope, I'm going to pick someone who's not a police officer. <laughs> um, the city council had strongly supported the creation of the new position and included funding, but said, you know, not to be as a major with the department. Hiring process will start again. So it sounds like again they're going to have an opening. The bureau has been led by Captain Henry Remolina who's Latinos, promoted major on Friday. Uh, it will include a community, civilian community engagement specialist, Tina Shepard, who has a master's degree, years of experience working local service agencies. Shepard earns 82000 a year for a civilian position. Salary for Stevens was 137000 So there you go. Now, there is some pushback, by the way. I'm going to just see uh, Dan McGowan, who knows Mike Stevens, says he's exactly what the Providence Police Department needs right now. And we talk to Mike Dan McGowan every Wednesday. Uh, it's a day that ends in Y, so Providence Police are mad at Jorge Alorza. I get it. Kind of like Sunday, Saturday, Monday, if it's a day that ends in Y. Maybe the 60 of them who actually live in the city can start a recall petition. Boom, there's a shot that a lot of Providence Police don't live in the city anymore. Um, week's decision is about a lawyer's decision to name Recreation Department Director Mike Stevens. Newly created major position within the police department. He'll work as a liaison between the police and the community. And then McGowan writes a job he's uniquely qualified for. He's coached, mentored, helped thousands of people past 30 years. Sounds like a pretty good candidate. Problem is he doesn't have a background in law enforcement. And the position includes oversight of the police training academy, promotions and testing. Laws have picked him over a few strong finalists who did come up through the ranks as cops. Micah Mundy, president of the FOP, called the hiring a slap in the face to every cop immediately after the announcement. McGowan writes now, all the wrong questions were asked. I'll ask him about this next Wednesday. Will Stevens get a gun? Why is that? Why is that a wrong question? Police carry guns. He feels that was the wrong question. That was the union that posed that, by the way. Is he going to arrest people? Do I have to salute him? These are questions that were being asked. Most of the time, will he get a gun? Police officers already have a gun. Is he going to arrest people? He could, but he's a major, so there'd probably be people under him. Do I have to salute him? Well, he's now part of the top brass. McGowan writes, we're not that far removed from hundreds of thousands of people over the country, including right here. Marching the streets call for more police accountability. Should our first question about the hiring really be about his ability to shoot people or lock them up? All right, that's fair. That's fair. That doesn't have to be the first question. Rather than discuss all the things he's not, let's talk about what he brings to the table. Authentic connection to Providence. I, that sounds fair. 
He's 48. He's lived in Providence his whole life. Central High grad. Grew up in the West End. Now raising a teenage son with his wife in Elmhurst. I hear he's a fantastic referee coach. And I mean like top notch. He launched an AAU basketball program. One, um, he got involved with coaching youth sports. One of the first players on the West Elm, Elmwood Intruders, flag football team, six-year-old kid, Will Blackman. Hendrickson star, Boston College star, played 10 years in the NFL. Blackman told McGowan, Coach Mike's from the city. He knows all the parents, understands the lay of the land. I, I agree with all that. That's why I think he's been great in the recreation department. The question now, though, is making him a major within the police department. And McGowan writes, Stephen... Stevens, one of the country's elite basketball referees, officiated four national championship games and three final fours. Now, that's someone. Listen, I give him tremendous credit. He is very accomplished as a college men's basketball ref. No question. When Villanova beat North Carolina with a three-pointer at the buzzer to win the title in 2016, that was Stevens with his arm raised, signify the basket was good. And then Mayor Lorza gave him the key to the city to, hey— This is big time. This guy from Providence is a major college basketball men's referee. I think that's great. Giving up the whistle for a time being. Well, that's because he needs major knee surgery. Um, Stevens knows what naysayers are pushing, like the juvenile crap, the belittling meme circulating, show him in the referee uniform blowing a whistle (laughs) that originated from DePetro.com. Um. I'm not going in as a police officer, Stephen said. I'm going in as a community person, mending fences between the police department and the community. He said a big part of the job will be assisting with police recruitment in the city. He wants to show teenagers in the city being a cop isn't a bad word. It's an honorable profession. Um, at times, police have been unfairly vilified in Providence. So McGowan saying he needs them. I, I, I don't disagree with this column other than... The position of major. I'll say that. That's where we we can agree to disagree. Good afternoon. It's John DePietro. This is the progressives and Mayor Lorza saying we need to reimagine policing. And their idea of reimagining policing is we're going to start to hire people to be police who are not police officers. That's what it is. We're going to start hiring people who are not police to be police, you know, brass There's only five majors, so that's a single-digit badge, right? The chief wears number one. Commander Verdi wears number two. Major David LaPayton, I believe, wears number three. And then, you know, the, the, the majors fill out like that, four, five, six. And then you start to have the captains who have their badges. So he would have a single-digit badge, and the police are upset saying, and, and, and again, I want to reiterate what the union said, which is this has nothing to do with Mike Stevens. It's more about Mayor Jorge Elorza. Folks, this portion of the John DePietro show right now at 120, and I will play some sound, is brought to you by Jamie's Power Wash. Jay Freitas Construction. Folks, with all this rain, humidity that we've had, Jay Freitas Construction. Call today. Jamie's Power Wash, 401-837-4545. Get your deck power washed. Definitely. Look for him also on Facebook. And then the website is jamiespowerwash.com. He came out. They did the independent deck. He did such a fantastic job. Folks, it looks brand new. Staining Jamie's Power Wash. Interior, exterior painting, deck staining, 401-837-4545. Pressure wash your vinyl siding, remove the dirt, mold, mildew, bugs. Uh, He does it all. Jamie is the consummate professional. Folks, this portion of the John DePietro Show is brought to you by the Coesed Inn. There's a great meal waiting for you at the Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Wark. There's a direct link right at the website, dePietro.com. So as I had said earlier... You know, normally there would be uh, the Governor McKee press briefing this afternoon. The only thing is, Governor McKee and his people don't like a lot of the coverage 
that they're going to be, that they have been receiving, I should say, that they have been receiving. They don't like it. And I, I don't think, I think they think, I think that the McKee people feel Channel 12 is out to get them. And I don't believe that's to, I don't think that is the case at all. With Tony Silva, there, there was a, there's a story there. His former chief of staff. There was a, there was a story there about the company he had set up and the land, and there was a story there. Do I? No, they weren't saying we're going to take them down. He kind of got into their sights a little bit, and then it began. As far as the investigation, and they wanted to make sure that they had every possible element. Of the investigation. And they were very thorough. But a big turning point was more when Channel 12 requested the public access to the Mayor, Mayor Mutter of Cumberland, his texting with Tony Silva, then Chief of Staff. That's, to me, what seriously seemed to kind of put things in, in, in jeopardy. And, and that really kind of turned the that really kind of turned the case. So um, that's how how I view it. That's that's and I, I think that's fair. That that's what was the difference. That was the difference was the inve- and then it was Governor McKee that said we're going to do an investigation, and he already has one director under investigation. So now, folks, I want to go to President Biden. They're saying President Biden is going to unveil a new six prong COVID strategy. To deal with this variant. And at this point, you know, it, it does depend on where you are and in different parts of the country. The numbers are definitely ticking up in our part of the country in the north. But let's hear this is um, this morning on. Uh, good morning, America. Today, because they say that they know that people are increasingly concerned about the Delta variant as kids are heading back to school and folks are heading back to the office. But there's also the political reality of this, that the president has seen his poll numbers start to slip when it comes to uh, his handling of the coronavirus. The president met with his COVID response team yesterday. Later today, he's going to unveil this six-point plan. Let me show you uh, some of the big picture, big topics that they're going to hit in this plan. Uh, They're looking at talking about vaccinating the unvaccinated, keeping the vaccinated protected, keeping schools open and and kids safe. That's an important one. Testing and mask mandates, the economic recovery and all of this, and care for those who do test positive. But look, George, you know, there are a lot of big questions heading into this address today. The reality is there's uh, only so much the federal government can actually do when it comes to mandating vaccines and the private sector. Officials here aren't saying much this at this point about how the president is going to address booster shots today. And the White House, I, I'm told, is not expected, or the president rather, is not expected to issue any broad vaccine mandates. But George, maybe this is a little hint of the big picture that he's going to address today. The press secretary, when she was asked whether this address will have an immediate impact on Americans' lives, she says it depends if you are vaccinated or not. So, folks, that is, you know, it's coming down on it. Biden wants to kind of up it a little bit. Um, I want to go also into the business with the um, the schools. Infections among children. The classrooms. They now account for one in four of all new cases. Los Angeles, now on the verge of becoming the first major school district in the country to mandate vaccines in children 12 and older. A vote that's expected to pass, set for later today. In Florida Wednesday, a judge ruling against Governor DeSantis and his ban on mask mandates, saying school districts can require masks while the case is being appealed. The teachers union reports at least 13 school employees in the Miami-Dade School District have died from COVID in the last three weeks. All of them were unvaccinated. Mask tensions rising across the country. In Tennessee, this video going viral of a teenager being mocked by anti-maskers during a county school board meeting after he referenced his grandmother dying. The former teacher at the Rutherford County School System died of COVID because someone wasn't wearing a mask. This is a very, this is a very. The U.S. is heading into the fall with four times more patients in hospitals than a year ago, more than 100,000. And health officials warn the surge isn't over, but it is on the move. 
as cases and hospitalizations stabilize in hard-hit southern states like Florida, Alabama, and Mississippi. CDC documents show ICU hospitalizations are on the rise in the northwest and upper Midwest. Unfortunately, um, what we're seeing is this virus is now moving up into West Virginia, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. It's kind of spreading laterally north, east, and west. While in Idaho, one of the least vaccinated states, paramedics in Boise telling us nearly every patient with COVID symptoms they take to the hospital is unvaccinated. This COVID virus has been kind of like a really long mass casualty incident that just goes on and on and on. And so it's been definitely tough on my people. Here in Idaho, resources are exhausted, in large part because younger, unvaccinated people are overwhelming the system. But those paramedics and hospital staff here, they are determined to answer the calls for help, even though some tough decisions are having to be made about who receives care. Folks, again, good afternoon. That's the um, piece from Good Morning America. It's 127. It's Thursday, and you're listening to The John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. So yesterday, two different individuals I know from, one I knew better than the other, but knew from, know from the industry, from the business. One was a record rep, and I only met him a couple times, but he was very well known. CBS record rep, Jerry Blair, 60 years old, died of COVID. But the other person, he was at my college station. I was still in touch with him. I spoke with him, or communicated with him, I should say, not long ago. And he's 53, 53 years old. And he died of COVID. So in one day, two people, now they're both in different states. They're not in Rhode Island. I don't, I don't want to get into, uh, you know, did they get the vaccine? Did they not get the vaccine? I don't want to harp into that i've heard i know for sure one of them refused to get the vaccine i don't know about the other individual but and folks again i i'm not trying to convince anyone um these are personal decisions that people are going to make personal decisions we're all getting as i like to say we're all getting the same Amount We're all pretty much getting the same information. Some people look for it elsewhere. Some people look different places to find, I think, almost to back up what what they think. They have a certain belief and they want to look somewhere where somewhere is going to back up that belief. So, folks, at this point, again, I don't. There are certain places, if you want to go inside, you have to wear a mask. You don't want to wear a mask, you don't have to go. There are certain places that are requiring that you have to get a vaccine if you want to visit there or work there. Your decision. My advice to you is talk to your doctor. I tell people that. Someone sent me a text and or a message, I should say, on Facebook and saying that where they work is now going to start to require that you be vaccinated. So I'm going to, you know, and if you fall into that, I would say I would go or I would set up or schedule, but I would make, make an appointment with your doctor and Make an appointment with your doctor and not necessarily, you know, whether it's going to be to try to get the religious exemption, which some people are getting. And obviously the the students at at UR or I are getting them very, very easily. All they had to do was was click, check the box and they were all set. They didn't even have to. I think at Providence College, you had to, you know, meet with a one of the priests and you had to write like a long paragraph and why you fit into that category. But, um, but it is, it's not, it, it, it seems far more severe, far more severe in, in certain businesses and things like that. So 
where it's not as easy that you just check it. There's more to it than that, I should say. Um, but folks, this so talk to your doctor and talk to your doctor about your, you know, just say, what do you think I should do? What are my options? If you don't have a doctor, you can have that type of conversation, then obviously that's a problem. But if you have one, before you just just say, what are my options? What happens? What do you think I should do? They want me where I work to get the vaccine. Here's why. And do it with a medical profession in his office or her office, his or her office. But just make sure it's a real doctor. People send me, you know, videos of these people. I've never heard of them. They're in a lab coat. And I don't know. They're supposedly a doctor. Are they really a doctor? Do we know if they're a doctor? I respond back. Who is this? Oh, I don't know. I've never heard of this doctor. Me neither. But listen to what they're saying. Well, I, I, I wouldn't go blind with it. You know, let's um, question who it is. Who is this doctor? Are they still practicing? Where are they practicing? Where is this happening? Who is this individual? Before we just start saying that, you know, that I've heard from some of you, I'm making my decision based on someone who I believe is a doctor, even though I've never heard of him or her. And I don't know when this video was shot and who shot it or filmed it, I should say, and where it was done. But that's good enough for me. I'd, I'd be a little more skeptical on who's giving you that information. Folks, I am big right now at 133. I believe that if you have questions, very fair to have questions, but I think you want to sit, whether it's wherever you're listing the program, whether it's Rhode Island or Massachusetts or wherever, but talk to your doctor. Now, if, if someone says... Well, I don't want to talk to my doctor because I think they're all the same. Well, then why would you be listening to someone in a lab coat in a video on Parlor who you don't even know? Then why are you listening to that doctor? If you're not going to listen to any doctors, that's one thing. But I think it becomes a little tricky if you start picking and choosing exactly which ones you're listening to. Now, I just want to check. Two people arrested at a police shutdown neighborhood narcotic nuisance. Two Cranston, this is Channel 12. Two Cranston residents are facing charges. Connection with investigation, neighborhood narcotics nuisance. Some of the complaints, blah, blah, visitors parked outside the house, loud music, smoke marijuana, open out, drinking alcohol. Uh, they found 78 grams of mushrooms, uh, powder pill form, grams of marijuana. Uh, two people, Christopher Bashad and Alnesia Quanta taken into custody. No mention that this Alyssa Cronante, folks, and I don't expect you to know this, but part of the crew with Sales Street. No mention in the story. I broke that last night. And I I don't mind. Turtle Boy's following up on my story. But, you know, in fairness, Cranston Police sent it to me. I then immediately recognized her. She's Pretty identifiable to me. Certain members of the media are giving her a pass on it. They're not mentioning that. She was one of the the major contentions and problems with uh, the, the whole Sale Street situation. So now I also just want to double check. And again, folks, good afternoon at 135. It's John DePietro. I want to remind you tonight the NFL season kicks off. If you're in the northern part of the state, you want to just watch it somewhere local, I suggest watch it at End Zone Sports Pub, 960 Menden Road in Cumberland. Stop in and see Dana and his crew. They do karaoke on Friday and Saturday night, and then they have the NFL ticket on Sundays. Stop in and see them nice and easy, nice and close. End Zone Sports Pub, 960 Menden Road in Cumberland. Um Let me pull up the Channel 6 story on it. Again, about the arrest. And someone said to me, why are they not putting the fact that that's one of the people from Sale Street? You know, when do they ever? I mean, it's like they're running 
running cover for them. I don't know why. Immediately jumped out at me. As soon as we could, we put it up there. I think it also goes to show, you know, this was someone that was claiming they were this and that and so innocent. And then police say they've been to this, the dispatch of the house 14 times over the past month. 14 times. Folks, does that sound familiar? Cranston Police, this is Channel 6. Two arrests. Northview Avenue. Multiple complaints. People visiting all hours. Consistent with dealing drugs. They've dispatched to the home 14 times over the past month alone. Inside the house, an 8-year-old and a 14-year-old. DCYF was notified and responded. And then again, the, the female, no mention that she was part of the Sale Street crew. No mention of that. In any way, I don't... Do I understand it? No, I don't understand it. I do not understand why they would would not... But list that. It's part of the story. Hey, this was, the, this was one of the whole key parts of the story with the Sale Street crew. Why is, why is that not, folks, do you see the pattern that's developing? They never call them out on it. Zero. I don't understand. I don't understand why they are not. I think they should. I think it's relevant. And it, it should go along with the story. And also, you know, there was so much. There was so much attention put on the police that I think it's time that some of the members of the military that, excuse me, members of the police, uh, media, excuse me, members of the, the media that were going along with everything that these people were putting out, 20 children being nearly beaten to death and blah, blah, blah. I think, I think they should be called out on it. You know, there was a lot, there was misinformation. Those people misrepresented what happened that night on Sale Street. Greatly, greatly misrepresented what happened that night on Sale Street. And they should be called out on it. Folks, this portion of the John DePietro Show at 138 is brought to you by J. Perry Paving. They provide high-quality, fair-pricing, exceptional service, over 20 years' experience, specialized commercial paving, residential paving, seal-coating patios, J, letter J, J. Perry Paving. Call them today, 401-732-1730. 401-732-1730 for J. Perry Paving. Now, should this, is today the Governor McKee press briefing? Nope, he's not doing it. I think they feel that Channel 12 is attacking them. So the governor is reducing the amount of press briefings that he's having. So now Channel 12, though, also is reporting. Governor McKee says he's taking everything into consideration concerning the healthcare workers and their vaccine mandate. Let's listen to that. On a letter, dozens of Rhode Island state lawmakers sent to the governor yesterday. The letter urged him to drop the October 1st deadline for health care workers to be vaccinated. Tonight, we're hearing reaction from Governor Dan McKee to the letter and what steps he could take next. 12 News reporter Courtney Carter joins us now live in studio with the new details. Courtney? Well, a couple of updates on that letter causing waves in the ocean state today. 12 News spoke exclusively with the governor this morning about his reaction to that letter. In the meantime, one of the lawmakers on the letter says he wants his name now off of it. Governor Dan McKee responding Wednesday directly to this letter. 24 Democrats and nine Republicans joined together sending the letter saying they want everyone to get vaccinated, but those on the front lines shouldn't lose their jobs over not being vaccinated. 12 News caught up with the governor Wednesday in Middletown. I have read it. We've certainly taken everything into consideration right now. Uh, and uh, we're reviewing the process and we should have, you know, uh, positions later in, later in the week in terms of what, how to deal with the issue. The governor's stance has been that this mandate would be protecting patients. He reiterated that. Healthcare workers 
need to be healthy to keep the people that they're um, taking care of healthy. So that's the, that's the overriding message. According to a policy document put on the state's website, unvaccinated health care workers will be placed on unpaid leave starting October 1st. They will then have 75 days to get vaccinated or they could lose their jobs. But now one of the reps that signed that letter says he's out. Representative Raymond Hall says, as the chair of the Rhode Island House of Representatives Task Force for COVID-19 vaccine, he's asking for his name to be removed. As I look at the bigger picture, I realize I made a mistake, but I know the vaccine is safe. The data proves it. I just wanted to correct the, the mistake that I, that I made by initially signing on. Now, at least two state senators, including Don Oyer and Alana DiMario, quickly pushed back at the letter saying that vaccine mandates like for the flu are not unique and that healthcare workers are required to get vaccinations against a number of other illnesses. I'm Courtney Carter, 12 News. She's also the same reporter, by the way, who, um, folks, and again, good afternoon. It's Sean DePietro. That, that is the same reporter from Channel 12 that just showed up the emergency room at Kent, Kent Hospital had to wait, and then did a kind of a hit piece on Kent, or tried to, um, because they made her wait so long. Because she went in for something else, and they said, listen, we're, we're backed up. The COVID patients take up a lot. But the big story right now, folks, to watch is this, uh, and this is not going to go away, this Governor McKee story about these uh, people that started the company, and there should be hearings on this. This is a lot of money. How did these people get it? The solution for the McKee people should not be, that's it. We're not doing any more. We're going to cut down on our press briefings because we don't like the coverage. That's not the solution. Folks, this part of the program, as I said, though, is brought to you by J. Perry Paving. Remember, call them today. If you need your driveway paved, 401-732-1730. 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving. Look for them on Facebook. It's letter J, jperrypaving.com. You know, I filmed them in action. What a difference it makes when you have them out there either patching the driveway or doing a new driveway. Licensed and insured contracting company. And if you're a veteran or you're related to a veteran, no one has a better package than J. Perry Paving. Call them today, 401-732-1730. This is the story that has Governor Dan McKee, uh, I think, upset, really, with Channel 12. ...awarded a multi-million dollar consulting contract to a brand new company that is supposed to be helping reopen the state's public schools this fall. Target 12 investigator Tim White joining us live in studio at 4. And Tim, you and your team reported the winning bid with millions of dollars over other bidders. Right. They still got the contract, though. Yeah, Brian, that's right. ILO Group, which was just incorporated in March, has a contract valued at up to $6 million. Their job is to assist in the reopening of schools for the 2021-22 school year. Now, Governor Dan McKee told me yesterday they needed ILO Group's help to reopen schools safely. In fact, he said ILO Group is already working with the Westerly School Committee. Here's a clip of that from yesterday. I was down in Westley the other day, and we've set up the uh, the ILO group with um, with the Westley School Committee. So I invite any school committee out there that is working that way through safety issues or any reopening strategy in the in, in the state. Uh, they're available there. Now, just a short time ago, Target 12 heard from the chairperson of the Westerly School Committee who tells us in an email, ILO is not doing any work in Westerly at all. I'm still unclear on exactly how this company can support Rhode Island school districts, and we entered into no agreements. I reached out to the governor's office a little over an hour ago, have not heard back just yet. We'll put their response on WPRI.com. And Tim, we were just speaking with the executive director of the Rhode Island Association of School Committees earlier. He said he did an informal poll of his membership and has only heard back from Little Compton in terms of school districts that are working with that group. Um, so, Tim, what kind of reaction have you been getting from state officials about this report and that lucrative contract? Well, can we know the chairman of the Senate Oversight Committee is looking into it. Senator Lou DePalma said in a tweet that he is reviewing the documents from the contract, including what's called a request for proposal or an RFP. That's where the state asks for bids on a project. I called Chairman DePalma to find out if he's scheduling any hearings with the Oversight Committee, but he said they're not there just yet. He's still fact-gathering. And finally, Tim, Target 12 investigator Tolly Taylor has an important report. It's coming up tomorrow, in fact, on 12 News this morning. 
out air filtration systems in Rhode Island schools. All right, well, we're going to, I don't know what to make of that. But folks, the, um, and again, I want to give a credit to Channel 12 uh, for really going after this story that the, the governor opened the door. I don't know who told him to mention Westerly. I'm sure now, and this, this, this should not be, I don't think, this should not be a bona contention of a back and forth between the McKee people and Channel 12. I don't think it should be. Because, it, it, listen, the, the, Tony Silva, the governor's chief of staff, um, total fair game. How is he not fair game? He was the one that was doing that land deal in Cumberland. He's still the one. Tony Silva, third person. Tony Silva doesn't do that type of thing. He's the one. Governor McKee was the one that referred it to the attorney general and the state police. He did that. I don't think he should have done that. He said that he didn't think there was anything there. So therefore, he's going to refer to that. And then now he... But he also, Governor McKee, started the process when he put, and he's still under investigation, Bud Craddock, head of the DMV, basically allowing a brothel to operate under one of his rental properties for the second time. It was Governor McKee who handed it over to the Attorney General and the State Police. It was, it was Governor McKee that did that. So Commerce Secretary Raimondo to stress climate change, pressing businesses to get behind the $3.5 trillion bill. Here we go. Yeah, that should really work. Uh, well, maybe it'll put her out there. Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo will press big business, drop its opposition to the trillion safety and arguing companies claiming to be serious about tackling climate change must now live up to their public comments. In remarks to the City Club of Cleveland, why was she in Ohio? You'd almost think that she's already running for president. Raimondo plans to push back. According to excerpts of her speech obtained by NBC News, emphasizing the high growing costs of recovering from climate-related events, Ramunda will point out a third of Americans live in areas where federal disasters have been declared within the last three weeks. Last year, climate weather events cost the U.S. more than $96 billion, according to Ramundo now. So, so NBC got her remarks. Now, I have to think that they were fed to them from someone. Not exactly sure. Unless that's just a group in Washington. I'm not sure. But somebody fed that. They didn't you know, come behind it or somehow somebody took her remarks, gave them to NBC, and now they are running with the story. So there you go. Um, what else do I see? The, um, the situation with, with Governor McKee. Now, on the one hand, on the one hand, as I have said, and we have discussed, I thought at some point that Governor McKee would start to cut back a little bit on some of his availability. See, it was great as he was reopening everything. And then it was fun and it's all new and da da da. And he wants to be out there. Listen, he keep in mind now, right now it's 150, it's Thursday, it's September 9th. Now, see, normally he would right now in 10 minutes be having a news conference. Now he's not going to have a news conference. That, that doesn't mean they don't release statements. Um, and it, it's really now he wants to restrict how much access the press has to him. And I think think a big part of it is just the fact that right now he they don't like the coverage that they're getting they don't like the type of 
they don't like the coverage that Channel 12 is going all in with their investigators. I think the McKee people feel that Channel 12 took down Tony Silva. And the Governor McKee won. And I don't know, maybe it was his idea. Maybe someone suggested it. Maybe someone suggested that here's what we need to do. You're way too available. So now, no more availability for him. The next time that he's going to have a press briefing is next Thursday. Now, again, I don't want to. Governor McKee has been very open, folks. He has been. He's been very accessible. So maybe they feel, let's trim it back a little bit. Because maybe some stories, again, I just think they may feel that one of the things that is fueling a lot of these stories is there's so much access to them. But here's the thing. He's still very busy. Governor McKee this morning was doing a series of appearances, welcoming children back into the Providence School. How about the Providence Schools? Today's, I think, is their first day. Talk about going back late. First day. So, um, so I think that plays into it. I think they're feeling that maybe some of these stories, he can't ignore it. He's there, so they want to cut back on it. So instead of the Tuesday, Thursday, they're going to move into the next briefing for Governor McKee that I'm seeing is a week from today, the 16th. Then afterwards, after that, the next week, it's only on the Tuesday, the 21st. And then the week after that, it's two weeks from today, right? One, two, three, actually, is on the 30th. So... Um, so he's definitely, they want to limit his, his access. I think they feel that, as I've said, some of these stories, especially Channel 12, like they're gaining momentum. Story comes out about this consulting. But they seem to be, to me, some self-inflicted wounds here with the McKee people. They're the ones. For instance, he mentioned Westerly. He doesn't, you know what it's a problem, folks, right now at 153 on this Thursday, a problem that I see for Governor McKee, if I want to be objective, which I do, is just he's starting off by saying, I don't see a problem with this. And then the more that comes out, it's obviously a problem. And so it doesn't, it doesn't hold up, right? It, it doesn't hold up. Him saying, I really don't see this as a story. And then more information comes out. And we see that, you know, it's obviously a story. Um, But so maybe they could be right, right? They want to get some more positive headlines. Um, I I still think he's new. I still think that part of it is not some of the stories. I think it's the way they're handling the stories, which seems to be like it's it's a moving, bouncing ball. And this is another, this is another controversy for the McKee administration is about this, this contract. We have a lot of people at the state house that are wondering about this. And you, you can't ignore rivals object to education contract given a firm with McKee ties. Folks, he, they can't ignore that, you can't ignore that some friend of, from some friends of yours and a guy that was on your transition team starts a new company and within months lands a $6 million contract. And they've never done it before. And then they say, well, they're supposed to be helping the schools reopen. And they apparently are not helping any of the schools reopen. At least the schools are unaware of it. So I don't know what to make of that. And it's possible that the governor is, in fact... You know, like, let's get our story straight here. I'm also seeing this headline, full session to legalize pot. I don't think that's going to happen. The speaker has, uh, Speaker Sakachi, I, I have not heard him say he wants to come back into the fall to do that. Another big story, folks, on this Thursday is the Providence Police Chief, new major, should get civilian title. He's right. He's right. You know, Alorza is just making things up. You can't just say from now on, we're going to have people who are not police officers part of the Providence Police Department or any police department. It does set, and I said right from the, the get-go, starts a, it sets a dangerous precedent. Now, in case you're just tuning in and it's 155, 
And you're listening to the Johnny Petro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Folks, this portion of the program is brought to you by mantherapy.org. September, this month, is Suicide Awareness Month. There is an epidemic of men over the age of 45 that feel they have no option and are taking their own life. Suicide Awareness Month. And one of the things that you can do if you're a man or if you are your husband or brother or friend or grandfather, log on mantherapy.org. It's not a comfortable conversation. I get that. But as many of you know, and I've talked about it, there was someone that I knew back in the early, late spring, early summer who fit that that criteria over 50 didn't feel he had any options apparently and that became what he thought was his only option i wish then i had known about mantherapy.org and we spoke with dr rob earlier you're going to talk to him again tomorrow there's now it's almost like a cpr class that people can take you could identify this individual that I knew posted some odd things on Facebook. Um, should have seen it as a red flag, but I didn't know. I thought he was moving. He was giving the impression that he was leaving. He was leaving. He was leaving this earth. But mantherapy.org. 20-point head inspection. Mantherapy.org. They're identifying that it is a problem. It is a problem. With men over 50 that sadly feel they have no options for various reasons, folks, for various reasons. But there are. There are options. Mantherapy.org. Going to talk to Dr. Rob tomorrow. September is Suicide Awareness Month. Something no one wants to talk about. Of course not. Who wants to talk about that? It's glum. But there's a lot of it going on. And I also mentioned this past spring, whew, you know, college, high school graduation. And someone, a father, felt he had no options or didn't like his options and decided to take his life about one month before one of his children was about to graduate from high school. And it was also going on during the college graduations. Instead of being there for that credible day, being part of that. There are other options. It's sad when someone gets into that place and they think that that's the solution. That is not the solution. It never will be the solution. Mantherapy.org. Folks, it's 159. It's John DePietro on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Now, coming up will be the 2 o'clock news and then it'll be the John Dion program. We're back tomorrow at 11. Uh, remember, Facebook Live, we will be there. The latest on the Kelly Bates story with Channel 10, visit the website, depetro.com. We have countless stories and video and and a lot more. Um, boy, the people are crying loudly that they want Channel 10 to take Kelly Bates back. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't. But you can log on at the website. You can also get some of the great merchandise in the shop or if you'd like to reach me. Listen, enjoy. Stay dry on this Thursday. Stay tuned because up next is WNRI Winsocket.